You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also, the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Wisconsin slash Thailand. Uh, we we had a request for that. I I do have some influence in Malaysia. Um, obviously, with my brother living there, I, I have been known to report on the Bucks from Malaysia. Uh, I haven't made my way over to Thailand quite yet, but you know, the, there's always there's always ESPN Wisconsin affiliates, and you know you just have to find them. And sometimes they're not even in the state of Wisconsin, so I'll have to find that ESPN Wisconsin Thailand affiliate um, and get my way over there. But today I'm joined by my good friend uh, Frank Madden, who uh, who has a baby in his hands right now. Um, uh, it's a it's a young young green producer intern, <laughs> Lockdown Bucks intern. <laughs> Lockdown Bucks intern uh, Matilda Madden, who is uh, five months old, and uh, let's just say because of an unwillingness to s- take a nap, she's uh, she's she's going to be sitting in with us. But she has a pacifier in her mouth, so we're going to see uh, we're going to see how much uh, she chimes in. She may have some some hot takes on the Dante Divincenzo pick uh, when we start talking about that in a moment. But uh, I don't know. She's uh, she's she's got the hot take cannon ready. Um, it may be lacking in sort of language and just, just really more, uh, more just, you know, baby cries, but we'll see, we'll see if, if, uh, if anything really sets her off. Uh, I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Frank, also the founder of brewhoop.com. All right, Frank, uh, obviously we had Thursday night, we recorded, uh, two hours after, or I guess probably like an hour after the draft finished up. And I, I think we, brought out our Dante DiVincenzo takes, and then we sort of just had a weekend, uh, at least from my perspective, get people responding to that podcast and responding to my discussion of DiVincenzo on ESPN Milwaukee. And uh, I I just think we've had all of that. Uh, DiVincenzo will speak probably by the time you listen to this podcast uh, because he has a 9 a.m. Monday press conference here in Milwaukee. So there's a good chance you've already, by the time you listen to this podcast, you've already heard from him. But uh, still, I guess, just kind of thoughts going around in in our heads. And I guess I, there's a couple things I want to get into. I don't know if your thoughts have changed all that much since then, but I'm just going to go to the topics that we had kind of discussed beforehand. And the first one is I've had a number of people um, as I guess as I kind of framed it after the draft on Thursday, I had mentioned, you know, they had guys that had dropped in that draft uh, in a Lonnie Walker uh, in a Robert Williams uh, and even in a guy that didn't drop, but was just kind of in that range all the time that we really liked Kevin Herter. And I had mentioned how those three guys might have been more 
home run type swings that those guys might have had more upside than Dante DiVincenzo and uh, I had a number of people ask why why do those guys have more upside because when you look at DiVincenzo uh, his athletic profile is is awesome <laughs> across the board he is pretty much off the charts like I think he had the best vertical of any of the shooting guard point guard prospects at 42 inches uh his broad jump was very impressive his cone drills were all good uh shuttle run three-quarter court whatever whatever athletic testing you can do at the combine he was very good in all of those all uh, really all those areas and uh, because of that people ask well isn't that part of what goes into high upside isn't that a lot of it that he can be uh, this high level athlete and then you add the skills that he already has into that athleticism and then all of a sudden you have a guy that has high upside and I will throw it to you and then I can chime in as well but did we undersell Dante DiVincenzo DiVincenzo's upside I don't think I've really changed a lot in that regard. I mean, I think, you know, in general, like, um, I'm, I'm always wary of, of guys who have like huge vertical leaps, but aren't necessarily like as tall or their reaches or wingspans or, or maybe a little below average or below sort of maybe the people that you want to comp them to. Um, you know, he's got really point guard length at six, six. Um, he'd be, you know, I think, I mean, you know, Bledsoe has longer length than that, even though he's a couple inches shorter um you know all the other i don't know what actually i don't even know what delhi's wingspan is because he's like you know never really i don't even know if he went to the combine because of uh he just wasn't a you know a highly touted guy i don't think he did but um you know for the most part like physically he he doesn't necessarily have really a frame that would necessarily like scale up i mean 200 pounds right you you know you you hope he adds some more strength to that over the next couple of years to, to be able to be a little more versatile, maybe get through screens better. Um, so again, I'm always kind of wary of the, um, you know, guys who don't have great frames or aren't, you know, like maybe freakish in terms of their, their physical tools, but then just like randomly have a, have an awesome vertical. And I think again, like when you watch him play, you know, he definitely, um, you know, dunks in games sometimes, right? Like yep. in terms of functional athleticism, you do see him, um, you know, get, get on um, cuts and things like that. He did have some like put back dunks last year. He but, does kind of pass um, your test, right? Isn't your test do it? You search that player and dunk I, I could find some dunks. Yes. I could find Dante <laughs> DiVincenzo dunks on YouTube, thankfully. Um, but, uh, but you know, they're mostly, he's more of a two footed leaper. It seems like, it seems like he needs more space to kind of get up. He's not like, you know, you know, sizing a guy up off the dribble, taking one bounce and then just yamming with one hand on guys. Right. I mean, yeah. that's not the way, I mean, for a guy who, who's, you know, at vertical numbers are, are super impressive that, you know, we don't really see him do that. And, you know, again, a lot of his, uh, a lot of his stuff is, is off the ball. I think, you know, when you talk about like how he profiles as like a shot creator, you know, I think like roughly half of his two point shots were, um, you know, were assisted or, and I think over half of his shots overall were assisted. So, you know, and again, a lot of it's, you could say, well, it's cause like he wasn't, didn't need to create offense for himself. But again, you know, I, I don't know if what we did see from him at Villanova suggests that that's necessarily like part of what, you know, is really in his skill set at this point. And again, he was not a highly touted prospect. I think he was like, what, in the 120s in terms of his RSCI coming out of high school. Um, obviously, he goes to a very good program, but, you know, doesn't really play much as a freshman, gets gets redshirted. And then, um, you know, 
really wouldn't have been a, an NBA prospect if not for, you know, obviously a, a terrific end of his tournament. So again, I think it's just like, well, we got to, we got to see more, you know, we got to see more from him. And, and I think summer league will be really interesting because I think it's going to be a good chest for him to show, can he do something with the ball in his hands beyond catch and shoot? You know, can he do stuff beyond cutting and, and some of those other things? And, and obviously those are going to be big determinants of whether or not he has much upside beyond being kind of a, you know, potential guy who shoots threes and defends maybe ones and twos. Yeah, and, and what I think is interesting there is you mentioned kind of the idea that you need to see more. Well, he's he's on the old end uh, for you to still want to see more, right? Like when you're thinking about upside, you're thinking about seeing, you know, some of those flashes of that athleticism in games. You're thinking about seeing some big games at a younger age. Well, he's 21 and a half years old. Um, so that makes it that just the idea of upside a little bit more, more difficult. And again, this isn't, obviously we've, we've discussed this. I mean, since you and I've been podcasting together, what upside means and how we define it. And, uh, I made some jokes about it with a graph one time about all, all the different things that go into being upside and it, it tends to follow a general profile. And uh, I mean, I don't think Dante DiVincenzo really follows that because of his advanced age. And I, I shouldn't say advanced age, but 21 and a half years old, that's on the older side of things. Uh, so I, I just think to me, that's kind of the first idea, right? That he's just a little bit on the old side to feel like there is a ton of upside there. While some of those other players you're looking at, you know, they are younger guys. Walker was a younger guy. Robert Williams was a younger guy. Herter was uh, – younger but not uh, i guess a a ton younger if that makes any sense um but still younger and he has a skill in his shooting that profiles to be you know potentially potentially game changing while divincenzo is a good to possibly very good shooter herders would be kind of one of those game changing shooters so there there was just all those things with those players and divincenzo hasn't shown as much and i, I don't know he he's just He's just really difficult for me to get a hold on because there's al- you always want to find some of those upper-level skills, right? And with a guy – let's just use Giannis because he's like the upside – the best possible thing to think about with upside. And with him, it was those point guard skills, right? And this is something Zach Lowe always ends up talking about. Um, I know I've drawn that – I've came back to an article he wrote about Chandler Parsons, or maybe it was just a snippet he wrote about Chandler Parsons that in Chandler Parsons second year, he threw a pass that showed that, you know, maybe this guy has a a greater idea of what's going on on the floor. And with DiVincenzo's assist, I don't know that we know that quite yet. And again, maybe this is hashtag cool pass quota. um, But when you think (laughs) about Dante, I'm curious is are those assists that assist totally has what was it like three point something in this last year uh per game is that is that system based is that just hey i I play for villanova we got four other really talented guys on the floor and we move so much we move the ball so much we have players that you know really screen well cut well that those passes kind of just happened and in the same way you talk about how many of his own shots are assisted like that's what that Villanova system creates so are those other things there and those are the things that you can circle like that upper level passing that I that ability to see the floor 
that's a that's something you can circle as saying, okay, this person has upside because they have this. Maybe they don't get to use it all the time, but they can make a pass like this. And I just, as you go down the line, I don't think we feel confident that that exists with his passing. I don't know if that exists with his shooting at the moment. I don't know if that exists with his athleticism. I don't know if that exists with his handle. They, they might. Don't get me. They might exist, but I don't know if we got a really good feel for that in either the pre-draft process or uh, what he was doing at Villanova. And I think to me, that's where it's be- it becomes difficult to say this guy has upside. I feel confident that this is a high upside player. I, I just don't know that I have that confidence in Dante DiVincenzo and what we've seen from him thus far. Yeah, and and again, I mean, you also, I mean, you want to also give him some credit, right? Because you know, being a good system player and succeeding at a great school that's really successful, and being able to have a role there that's translatable, I mean, that is that's a plus too, right? It, yeah, it maybe isn't. It, it isn't necessarily something that speaks to like, oh, this guy's going to be like, you know, your third best player on a championship team or, or fourth best or whatever, right? Um, and, and again, I, I think we want to caveat, like we're not saying that that's like the bar for a 17th pick. Um, you know, the bar is be a good rotation player, right? And, and yeah. I think we would we both agree, like, I mean, DiVincenzo could certainly be that, right? I mean, that, that's certainly something where I think his background sort of probably lends him to clearing the bar more easily because, like, he's basically going to be asked to do similar stuff to what he did in college. So, you know, I think I think in a lot of ways, like, you know, if we don't see him sort of finding a niche early you'd probably worry more because again he's not some project that you're trying to transform from you know the the shapeless piece of clay into uh into some you know work of art right he's not zaire smith like there's not like there's an actual basketball player already formed that is dante divincenzo right and so i think you know good news bad news is good news i mean you know again like we've heard the phrase plug and play um used around him and and you hope again not that he's going to come in and be you know an above average starter or a starter right away um but can he be a guy that immediately um at least could be competent in an nba setting and and give give you potentially minutes off the bench i think that is certainly something you would hope um you know i think he's he's in a very interesting spot because certainly the the shooting guard minutes are you know kind of for grabs right i mean you've got Tony Snell, who, you know, has obviously is, has a lot of money tied up in his contract. Um, and I think will be certainly be the presumed starter at shooting guard. But, um, you know, you can take minutes from Tony Snell if, yeah. if you play really well. If you make shots, you certainly have the, p- the potential to do that. Um, and gonna... Sterling, Sterling Brown is probably the more interesting guy because Sterling Brown's probably looking at this pick saying, this I can be better than this guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm stronger. I weigh 30 more pounds than this guy. I'm bigger. I got a longer wingspan. Um, I, and, you know, as as Eric, you say, Sterling Brown's probably saying, I'm an MF, an MFer. Yeah, for <laughs> and, sure. And I'm going to go at this guy and I'm not going to let this first round pick, um, you know, beat me out for a minute. So I think that's going to be a really interesting battle between those guys. I think Sterling certainly has more um, flexibility to, to play in bigger to play bigger, you know, I think he can certainly flex up to the small forward spot much more easily than than you'd expect Dante. Likewise, you may argue that DiVincenzo can maybe flex down to defending ones more easily. But, um, you know, again, so it's not like one or the other. And and if you've got, you know, wings who can shoot threes and be com- at least competitive defensively, that, you know, that, like you always say, the more the better. But, yep. um, you know, both of those guys are going to, you know, there are only so many minutes in a game. And obviously you'd hope that both those guys earn minutes. But, um, you know, I think certainly, you, you know, 
you, you look at this pick, you say, okay, f- have we finally gotten like another enough guys that the Bucks no longer need to sign Jason Terry every summer? Um, <laughs> that, that might be one of the upshots of of this pick. Um, but uh, you know, again, I, I think you know we, we don't want to like you know you don't want to ding him for being potentially able to slot into a similar role like he's already used to and, and being you know hopefully a really good role player in time. Um, but at least from the question of upside, yeah, I mean, older players are always going to be more questionable upside plays. Um, and uh, again, like, you know, I, I, it's one of those things like, I, I just I, I've been struggling to figure out. I mean, who, who are examples of guys who were six men in college that were, you know, high picks and and really, you know, turned out. Right. I mean, I think yeah. probably the two guys that, that generally jumped to mind. I mean, Deion Waiters was a six man for Syracuse. Marvin Williams as a freshman was a six man for UNC. Um, both those guys were younger, um, when they were six men waiters played two years at Syracuse, but you know, again, I mean, at least those two, those two guys don't necessarily kind of leap off the page. Williams was obviously a highly touted prospect who only played one year in college. So, you know, I think that's a little bit different, um, than, than, you know, DiVincenzo who played three years, but again, both at very good school. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's, I mean, it's always, you know, it's a trade-off teams have to weigh, right? Like certainty of, of a guy slotting into a role versus, potential that he can be a lot better and um again you know my whole view was uh, i'd like to see the bucks be more risk seeking and and hunt for for upside a little bit more just because i just don't think they have kind of the base of talent but again if if divincenzo becomes a a good role player um that's that's still a big positive for this team at this point because certainly they they've struggled to get any of that kind of uh, kind of production from from some of their recent first round picks they got it from malcolm brogdon hopefully they get it from sterling brown but they have not gotten it from uh from from you know the DJ Wilsons, the Rashad Vaughns, um, at all, even Thon Maker, right? I mean, we're yeah. still waiting for Thon to really contribute in a meaningful way for more than you know a uh, a ten day period in in April. And, and the one thing I, I was going to add there is in. So with the Bucks going in that direction, and I think we've seen them go that direction with their last two first-round picks, DJ Wilson and Dante DiVincenzo, that they are looking for you know people that can actually contribute. And I mentioned this on my show this morning on ESPN Milwaukee, but to their credit, Dante DiVincenzo doesn't play power forward. Uh, with DJ Wilson, if you're looking for him to be a role player, you're looking for him to be a role player in the eight minutes a game Giannis doesn't play uh because uh, are you 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 know what I mean like the you if you are looking for a role player that role player should be able to play with Giannis there should be a world where you can put that player on the floor with Giannis and that player can benefit from getting to play with Giannis DJ Wilson is there a lineup that you could play him and Giannis together even just discounting the fact that Wilson didn't show anything in his rookie season. But even before that, we were talking coming off the bench. And I don't think at any point did we really discuss DJ Wilson, Giannis lineups. That that wasn't a thing we were thinking about because it, there's positional overlap with those two guys. And if you're going to play Giannis at the four, that means you're probably going to have to find a way to play DJ Wilson at the three, or that means you're going to have to play Giannis at the five and DJ Wilson at the four. Like it just didn't work out in that way. So if you're drafting a role player um, and someone that you want to be able to fill a role and do it quickly, 
they shouldn't play the same position as Giannis. Um, and Dante DiVincenzo, I think, obviously kind of fits in that, that he will be able to, one, play with Giannis, and two, ideally benefit from Giannis. And I think that kind of leads us into the next question that I've gotten a lot of in the last couple days uh, as people are trying to, you know, sort through Dante DiVincenzo and figure out, you know, exactly what he is. And again, I think this maybe deals with some of his upside and some of his talent and kind of what he can do going forward. But I've had a number of people ask, isn't Dante DiVincenzo the ideal point guard for Giannis going forward? And I think it's an interesting idea. Um, And again, uh, I think I'm certainly on the on the side of this argument that you want as much creation talent at the point guard position as possible. Um, and you know, that might cut into Giannis a little bit, but you do need someone that can actually create off the dribble and do some things at the point guard position. Um, but when you look at Dante DiVincenzo, maybe that is what he could be, but, uh, how real do you think that possibility is that we heard on draft night, Mike Boonholzer say that he thinks Dante DiVincenzo can guard the one and two, um, and uh, I'm curious with Giannis, uh, because Giannis does obviously uh, handle the ball enough and make enough plays that you can have maybe a slightly lesser uh, creator at the point guard position. Do you think Dante DiVincenzo can play the point? Um, and I shouldn't even say play, because that would be a, a very low bar. Can he excel at the point guard position on a Giannis team? Uh, you know, my first thought was, okay, like, w- how does he look? What sort of role does he play? And my first thought was dialing back a couple years to the the point juice, point uncle juice uh, yeah. experiment that we saw for, for a little bit, um, where OJ Mayo, who physically is actually kind of similar to DiVincenzo, I think. Um, I think Mayo actually also measured a 40-plus inch vertical at the combine, which never really translated into sort of in-game athleticism. Um, and he's a guy who I think he measured like, what, 6'4", 6'5", I think. Um, you know, not like a monster wingspan, kind of always caught a little bit between the one and two size-wise. Um, and certainly was much more of a shooter than he was like necessarily a rim attacker. Um, but also had some instinct of OJ growing up. I mean, you know, he was kind of an anti-DiVincenzo. He was a super highly touted player, was you know the number one player in his class for for much of his prep career, um, and and was sort of more, did profile more as like a point guard kind of growing up, and then um, kind of went away from that. Then once he got into the pros, and you know there were questions sort of about his playmaking. I mean, I think, you know, people at one point, you know, talked about OJ as like, you know, could he be like a Chauncey Billups type guy? Um, and so, but I think, you know, by the time he was in Milwaukee, so that, so that stuff had kind of withered away. Sort of OJ was, you know, a spot-up shooter, um, a guy who could handle it a bit, um, you know, could could tussle a bit defensively. Um, you know, certainly the the competitive fire <laughs> with OJ uh, was yep. was something we saw a fair bit. So, um, you know, could we see him play that kind of role, or maybe he does bring it up a bit, but he's not really like asked to initiate a lot of offense, run lots of pick and roll. I, I guess you could try that at times, um, but I, I think especially with the current Bucks roster, it would seem a, a little bit strange, you know, with, with the likes of Bledsoe and Brogdon around that, yeah. you know, you'd be choosing to have DiVincenzo carry a lot of sort of that, that type of role. Um, 
you know, if you have a, a big, if you need a big point guard, you would think it would probably be Brogdon would be filling that role more often. But again, it's not to say that like Brogdon and DiVincenzo couldn't play together and sort of interchange sort of some of that, some of that responsibility or, you know, defensively swap off roles. Um, so I think, I guess it's possible. I mean, I would like to see DiVincenzo maybe try some of that uh, in Vegas, especially given that, you know, it's not like the Bucks have like some hotshot point guard you want the, with the ball in their hands the entire time. Um, so I hope we do see him get a chance to try to run some offense, run pick and rolls, do some of that stuff. Cause again, like if he can do any of that, it would be gravy. If you could run off, you know, run lineups with him at, at point guard, it would be very interesting. Um, but I think to say that that's like going to be expected, I don't know. Right. And, and we'll have to see with Mike Budenholzer as well. You know, it's a new coach. Um, is he going to be willing to do that? Because I think certainly over time, the bucks under Jason Kidd skewed away from, you know, lineups where Giannis didn't have other creators around him. Um, but they also, as we've also said, I mean, when they had Giannis sort of point Giannis lineups, they also just didn't, they didn't really have the right philosophy as far as really trying to shoot around him either. So, um, so I don't know if, I don't know where Bud will fall on sort of the, like, let's get creators around Giannis versus let's just get shooters around Giannis. Um, you hope you have guys who can do a little bit of both. Um, and we'll see with DiVincenzo. I think he's much more likely to be a, a shooter than a creator. Um, but as far as being a second or third ball handler who can, you know, attack a closeout and then make a right read and make a pass, that seems potentially reasonable. Um, but to think you're going to like put the ball in his hands and run, you know, pick and rolls to get Giannis the ball. I mean, that, that's maybe a bit of a taller ask. And again, I don't, I just don't know today's age if that's really smart either, right? Like, you, I think you probably want more guys who who are you know threats to attack. Like putting Dante out there with like Tony Snell on the wing, you know, like as as awesome as Giannis and Chris Middleton are. I don't know if you know. I don't know if that's really going to optimize your offense either. Um, but again, I mean, these are all the kind of things that you know. Hopefully, we start to get some sense of by by checking these teams out in summer league because you know this first glimpse of the the new. Coaching staff, granted, only a fraction of the team, um, and first look at Dante Divincenzo against you know um, some some NBA type athletes at least. Uh, so I think those are all I think fun things to watch out for. Yeah, I think summer league is really interesting because I, I know a lot of people say like Dante Divincenzo got drafted for one game, and I, like I can kind of get it. Like he had that huge national championship game, and then that uh, to me got him his invite to the combine. But to to me, what moved him up in the first round was the combine. Like not just athletically in the games they played, he just killed. And I think that's going to be really interesting to see in summer league. Is he able to do many of the same things? Like he had like a deep pull up three, and he was able to create a little bit in those combine games. And again, they're combine games with without like the very top prospects playing there. And I understand that, uh, but I guess. For once, uh, to me, this is actually this is funny because we we've talked about this in the past that I didn't really care what Thon Maker did in summer league. I didn't really care what Thon Maker did when he went down for G League stints. Uh, not that he he did that all that often, but in either of those situations, I didn't really care because I don't really want to see Thon be the alpha dog and when you take a guy down to the G League that's kind of what you're you're thinking and kind of the same thing with Summer League uh and it was always the same thing with Rashad Vaughn like I just want to see that you can catch and shoot threes at four like a 40 percent rate I, I I don't need to see you initiate offense well 
it's the opposite with Dante DiVincenzo. I want to see if he can do all of these things. Like, can he be the alpha dog for the Bucks? Can he do uh, some of these things with the ball, uh, without the ball? What can he do? And and I think that, to me, it's really interesting to see what he, he will be. And, you know, I can't, this, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this because I hate Summer League basketball. Like, I'm actually interested to watch the Bucks in Summer League um, and see what they can do. So I think that is interesting. And then with the point guard stuff, I think this is a really, to me, this is kind of a good situation for DiVincenzo um, in that the Bucks obviously at this point have Eric Bledsoe on the roster. And if he's on the roster to start the season, he will undoubtedly be the starting point guard and as you go through this uh, I think with him and with Brogdon I think there's a, a potential to get to get minutes across the board in a number of different spots because as you're talking about that and saying well you know maybe he could play with Brogdon and then Brogdon and him could both do some of those responsibilities I thought huh that's kind of interesting and then I started to think through him and Bledsoe and I was like Okay, that's kind of interesting. And then I started to think about, okay, maybe you, the other lineup you mentioned where it would be DiVincenzo, Snell, Middleton, Giannis. I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. And I, I the, it, it, we don't really have a feel for Mike Boonholzer, so we don't know what he will do. But to me, just the idea that your first rounder, uh, all of those lineups I mentioned uh, seem feasible. They, they seem like things that you could actually try in an NBA game because of Dante DiVincenzo's size and, you know, how he might be able to create a little bit and how he can shoot some. Uh, like All those lineups, to me, made some sense. And I think as a rookie, that, that can be a really exciting thing that you can have – a lot of experiences across a number of different lineups. And maybe that won't be great because you're not getting a consistent look. You're not getting consistent reps. You're not figuring out a specific role, but it does to me scream opportunity. And if you're a rookie, I think that's undoubtedly a good thing, but then also just when you're trying to make your name in the NBA, you need a chance to do so. Um, And last year, we thought D, we thought TJ Wilson had a chance to do that with Jabari Parker out at the start of the year. It did not work out that way, but I do think there is some solid depth there. I, I just listed off a bunch of players that I think both of us like at the point guard and shooting guard spots, and I didn't even mention Sterling Brown. So there are players there, but I do still think there is an opportunity there, and I, I just think it's going to be really interesting to see how he's used and uh you know what different type of looks the bucks can create with him on the roster now yeah i mean you don't want your team drafting for need but if you draft a guy and then he's on your roster it's like well if you you hope he at least does fill a need i mean at this point you know he's the guy I and mean, that's the guy the bucks picked and obviously need and being able to plug him in was was part of his appeal i mean i think we'd agree i mean this pick feels like a pick that Mike Budenholzer would have been very happy to to get done <laughs> yes. because it probably is like the least work for a coach because <laughs> he's not going to have to teach Dante DiVincenzo like to be a totally different type of player. Um, obviously, there's a lot of teaching to get a guy used to the NBA you know game, the NBA speed, all that stuff. But um, you know he's not going to have to you know really teach him the same sort of things that you might have had to teach you know a, a, a Robert Williams um, or 
uh, a Lonnie Walker, you know, kind of a more raw type talent. I mean, Herter, you could argue maybe um, would would be um, just as easy just because he has that NBA shooting skill already. Um, but I think, you know, again, like it's a plus that you don't have to probably, you know, have as much risk figuring out what to do with him now that he's on the team. Um, but again, I think that also speaks to the fact that, I mean, if, you know, if Dante DiVincenzo doesn't play at all this year because he can't beat out, you know, uh, Tony, uh, Tony Snell and Sterling Brown. And, um, you know, you know if Jason Terry gets signed again, uh, and he may lose that minutes to him, uh, that'd be bad. Cause again, like the Vincenzo does profile as a guy who should have an opportunity to play, uh, or at least create an opportunity for himself to play. And, you know, again, it seems like he's probably a guy that coaches would tend to, um, you know, favor just cause of probably reliable, you know, consistency of effort and, um, you know, again, he seems like a pretty heady player, knows how to play it without the ball. And those are things that, you know, again, if you're trying to be a rookie that gets minutes in the NBA, those are, are very valuable skills to have. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, again, like what his role is. Cause, um, you know, again, they didn't, they didn't pick him because he's a lottery ticket to be, you know, whoever, uh, three, four years from now. Right. They, they picked him because they thought they could predict they, they knew what kind of player he was going to be and they could rely on him to become that guy. Um, and again, I mean, I'd, I'd caution people, you know, it's really hard to pick the guy who becomes the actual best player at any given spot. You know, I was just, I was just looking through some old bucks drafts. Um, you know, I think of, of the last, you know, 10 years, guys who you could say were actually the best player available when the bucks picked, or that turned out to be the best player on the board when the bucks picked Giannis, obviously would be kind of the obvious one. I think Brogdon could certainly also be that guy. Um, Ramon Sessions, ironically, uh, just because he was taken in the 50s and nobody else behind him actually yep. really amounted to anything, um, could also be that guy. Um, and but but you know other than that, I mean, again, it's 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 really hard to to nail it. And again, teams can't just you know I understand like not every team's going to want to swing for upside. And there's some point at which uh, there's some point at which risk. Is just is just too high, but um, but again, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, well, you know, if he's not a, a player in his first season, that that makes sense. And I think it's you know, I think we're we're going to ask a lot of questions like, well, you know, okay, so is he a three-year project to become a decent rotation guy? I mean, that that's that's not that, that's certainly. I mean, he's going to get passed certainly by a number of guys probably behind him who got picked if if that's the case. But um, again. He's a buck now, so now the job is for the coaching staff and the organization to get him to, to the best spot he can be. And um, again, you you know, with the clock ticking on this roster and Giannis and Chris and all these guys, obviously you you would like these guys to to start looking like NBA players sooner rather than later. And again, good players, talented players, even if they're raw, even if they have uncertainty around them, they usually figure stuff out pretty quick. You know, they start to yeah. show you that they're going to be able to play pretty quickly and. Um, you know, I, ironically, DiVincenzo is just, I think, a few months younger than Rashad Vaughn. And, you know, Vaughn came in as a super young guy and just never really showed any kind of obvious inclination to be to have like a special NBA skill set. And sure enough, we never saw it. And, you know, now is Rashad Vaughn in the league next year? I, I man, I, I'm, I'm going to be really curious if he's on an opening night roster. I'm sure I would expect he'll be probably playing for somebody in summer league. But um, you know, at the age of 21, he's already kind of got his work cut out for him just to, to be an NBA player. 
it sounds like from Matilda's objections that she does feel like teams can always take an upside guy. So uh, I think it's a great point, um, something that we should probably discuss a little bit further. But that's going to be it for us for today, uh, for Matilda, for Frank, and for Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.